This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 14th. We want to welcome our new title sponsor, the American Endurance Ride Conference. Good morning, Horse World. Before anybody's confused, it is July 14th. I screwed up the show notes for Karen this morning. Okay. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge, you're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love, but don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur. Well, there's a reason it is so, so important that we get the date right, because it is July the 14th, and that means only a few short weeks away from the biggest endurance ride, the most challenging endurance ride in the United States of America, and you're going! I am. I, I waited I'm so till excited. I got goosebumps when you told me. I know. <laughs> it's exciting. I can't wait. Bo's doing so well this year, so... Now, this is the horse that had all the trouble, right? He had colic surgery, I guess it's been 15 or 16 months ago. But the vets have told me once he's a year out from that, he's at no greater risk of colicking again than any other horse. And in that time, he hasn't had even a single mild episode. He's been just 100% right on. And um, I took him to the Wild West ride back in June, and I rode him two days there in a row, and I got the thumbs up from the vets to go ahead and take him after the end of 105 miles because he looked so good. So I went ahead and sent my entry in. Well, for those of you that don't know, let's back up a little bit. You're listening to Horses in the Morning. I have uh, Karen Chatton on with me. She is here the second Tuesday of every month, if you're a new listener. She joins us to talk about endurance arts and our endurance riding day that we've been doing now for almost two years, Karen, I think. Uh, it's yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yes. So, And we have exciting news today that we're very excited about, and that is the AERC, which you've heard us talk about on this show before, is the American Endurance Ride Conference, is joining us as the title sponsor. So we want to welcome them to the show. Yay! <laughs> Good job, and we're very happy to have them on board. You know, we've talked about them many times before, but they're actually going to be joining us for a couple minutes every show now to kind of give us an update. We have very good relationships with several associations uh, on other shows that we have done. As a matter of fact, the longest one, I would say, is the American Driving Society. The ADS Mm -hmm. has been with us since the beginning of the driving radio show four years ago. 
So they've been uh, sponsoring that show from the very beginning, and it's become an integral part of what they do. And and everybody listens to get the updates, and it's just kind of cool. So we're welcoming the American Endurance Ride Conference, and we hope the same thing happens with them. And of course, you've been a member with them for you ever. <laughs> so, right. A couple of decades yeah. or more. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're probably one of their <laughs> oldest members, their longest running members, and certainly one with a, a lot of miles, that's for sure. Uh-huh. So we want to welcome them. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you're a new listener to the show, we go about an hour and a half here every morning. And then certain days of the month, we do special days. And uh, this is one of those special days on endurance riding. And it's extra, extra special because we're going to be talking a lot about Tevis today. Uh, Coming up on today's show, Karen has a tip on how to prepare for Tevis and her lists, her list of many lists. (laughs) She's going to talk about how to get ready for such a such a long uh, complicated ride. So she's going to talk about that. We have Distance Depot coming up with their product of the month. We also uh, talked to Paul Sidio. Now, was, you did this interview earlier and I wasn't there. Is, was he still in Australia when you talked or is he back in the United States? No, he's back, but okay. um, today he's on his way to the Vermont 100. Oh, cool. So we're, we're, uh, we're going to hear an interview you did with him about his time in Australia for the, mm-hmm. for the Tom Quilty 100. And then coming up, I mean, as if that wasn't enough, uh, we have Alicia Schneider, who is the AERC Vice President, and she's going to tell us about the Tevis Educational Ride over the July 4th weekend and some other programs that are available, the mentor programs and educational programs available through the AERC. All of that we're going to fit on today's show, as well as Karen and I have a lot of catching up. I was so excited to talk to you today because so much has been going on. And you have a very exciting announcement. For those that have listened to the past couple episodes, you'll know what we're talking about but go ahead tell everybody we got into the rose parade (laughs) you're gonna be in the biggest parade in the world it's yes it's really exciting i mean it's wow so now this is refresh everybody this is a group of endurance riders who just put this all together yourselves right yes the aerc parade riders um, put together by gail pena and then we also have a really um, awesomely talented photo photographer, Lisa Peck, and she helped with the presentation with, you know, the photos and the videos. And we put together a really nice presentation for our application, which I think obviously helped to persuade them um, because they um, were impressed enough to select us to, to be able to ride in the parade, which is awesome. There's a group of 25 of us. And it's the front group is led by um, either four or five riders, which are um, called the living legends. And these are either riders or horses, you know, that have done the most miles or um, are in the Hall of Fame, that kind of thing. And then uh, the rest of the group of 20 um, are going to be in the rows behind us. I believe we're going to have, I guess, five, maybe five rows of five. And you're in the you're in the front row. You're with the special people. I get to be in the front row on my horse Granite Chief because he's in the Hall of Fame, which is really kind of cool. And then I have a friend riding my other horse Bo, who will be one row back from us. Oh, so Bo gets to go! Yay! Yes, they both get to be in it, which is really cool. And then 
we also are going to be performing at the Equest Fest put on by Wells Fargo. I believe that's December 29th. What are you guys going to do? Just run around the outside for two hours? (laughs) 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 You're going to run around the ring while everybody else is doing their thing for the whole time? (laughs) I know. I know. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, I understand what the you know, the flag groups and all those guys do. It's like, what are you guys exactly going to do at the uh, Equifest there? Hey, it'll be impressive <laughs> like, if, if you can get that many endurance riders to trot in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, well, that is, I'm so excited for you guys. And I'm excited, you know, there's usually about 20 groups. I know a lot about this because we've been, we've been talking to the parade organizers for about seven years now, but doing special Rose Bowl episodes. Uh-huh. And we've talked to most of the groups that are in the parades. And so there's about 20 equestrian groups, although they've been decreasing that number in recent years. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool that you get in because it's very difficult to get in. It is. They get hundreds of applications, and I believe they're down to selecting something like 16 or 18 groups. Now, you guys, though, I mean, you fit the theme. Tell everybody what the theme is. You guys fit it so perfectly. We do. The theme is Find Your Adventure, and it's also the 60th anniversary of the Parks Department. And, of course, endurance riders um, ride in a lot of the national parks, so it's a perfect match. I think that's terrific. And so you guys are going to be in full battle gear? Um, yes, all of the, the group of 20 behind us are going to be all coordinated with red, white, and blue tack. And then in the front, um, I think we're still working out exactly what they're wanting us to wear. Um, but it's all going to look really cool. And you all have your helmets <laughs> on. We'll have our helmets, yes. Yeah. And biothane tack from Distance Depot. <laughs> and our crazy legs tights. Oh, I love your crazy legs tights. <laughs> I know. I love my crazy legs. <laughs> That'll be perfect. They're pretty cool. And now, do they require you guys to either one have shoes or boots of some kind on for the parade? Um, I believe um, you can do it barefoot. You're talking for the horse, right? Yeah, the horse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm planning on uh, gluing red uh, renegade boots on my horses. Oh, cool. Which will, which will look pretty cool because it goes with the red, white, and blue and... Um, you know, it'll just look really kind of neat to have the red boots on their feet. I'll give you attraction too. I mean, that is a five mile parade, um, mm-hmm. on, all on macadam. And if it rains, I imagine you get a little slick. Right, yeah. right. Well, that's good. That's terrific. Right. I am so excited for you guys. I can't wait to watch you on TV. I know. I hope that we get some time, you know, that we at least get a mention after all of this. I know. But, but, but it, I mean, just think of the wonderful exposure we're going to have for the sport of endurance, you know, worldwide. It's There's going to be million, phenomenal. There is one million uh, people lining the streets, and what do you say, 70 million people watching it on TV. Oh, gosh. Now, what we've tried to do in the past, and I've talked to the organizers about this, and they've never conceded to this, and I've talked to the networks about this. There's a couple different networks to cover this. I've always wanted to get a horse person on in the announcer booth. Because they do a terrible job of announcing the horse groups. Because they don't understand <laughs> anything about horses. I know. So they've always done a terrible job at that. And I said, just have somebody on. I, you know, Jamie, my co-host on the morning show here, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, would be terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and she at least would know about horses, right? <laughs> so, right, right. You know, uh, it would just be, so, you know, I've, I've been trying to convince them for years and they've never done it. Because all they care about is the flowers. So, uh-huh. uh, which are pretty. You know, I give that. And you're going to smell good by the time you come home. You'll be all flowery. 
I hope so. <laughs> this That'll is going to be, be so much fun for you guys. I know. And, and it, it will be an adventure, that's for sure. Well, you also, you just did this Wild West ride, and you said you took Bo, and... Uh, I actually also took Chief. It was a three-day, 155-mile ride. So I rode Bo two days. I thought that would be a greater test to determine whether or not I should Tevis. enter him in, in Tevis. And then I rode Chief on uh, the, the other third day, 50, and he did really well as well. And then uh, on How July 11, Chief, Chief is 20. Wow. And and he's doing really very well. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. I know. I hope he keeps doing well because, uh, you know, we have a goal. I want to get him to 15,000 miles. I saw on Bo, I saw your score sheets. I mean, he recovered faster than most horses that are three. Uh, well, <laughs> except in endurance, they have to be five. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean, though. I yeah. Oh, sure. Yes. No, Bo's got excellent recoveries. He, um, it, it, this ride, this, Last weekend that I took him to the Gold Country 50, which is a tough ride. We had um, actually 15,000 feet of elevation gain and loss wow. on it. And it's a lot what of narrow. Do you narrow carry an oxygen trails. tank with you for you and the horse? <laughs> you put a mask on each? <laughs> I know. Uh, but it was it was great. We came in like to the first vet check and I walked straight to the PNRs. He didn't get cooled off or anything. And he was already down to 52. And that's with his tack on and everything. While other horses, people were pulling tack off and hosing him down just to get him down to the criteria, which was 60. So that gives me a little bit of an edge with him because we're able to move through the vet check so quickly because I don't have to wait for him to recover. And um, but we've done our homework. We've you know we're definitely going to be as prepared as we can be for this ride because I want to you know make it as easy as I can on my horse, and you know that way he enjoys it. I mean he thrives on these kinds of rides. He just loves you know the more challenging they are, the more fun it seems like he has, and he's just doing so darn good. <laughs> I'm looking really looking forward to it this year. So you, uh, how long do you wait? Like you take Bo out, you said you took him out here recently. So will you wait? Is it usually two or three weeks before another big ride? Is there a time that you should wait? Um, There is, you know, and a lot depends on the horse's base. You know, Bo's got several years and, you know, over 8,000 miles under his belt or girth. And so he's able to, you know, probably handle things like this really well compared to maybe a newer horse that doesn't have as much experience. But I did talk to the head vet at this ride um, about the timing a little bit because this ride was three weeks before Tevis. And he actually said that that was pretty much optimum for what I was doing with my horse. Perfect. So that's good. He said two weeks might be a little bit too close, but you know, you're always taking a risk. You take a risk by going to a ride, you take a risk by not going to a ride because, y you know, horses almost need to be bubble wrapped if they're going to Tavis right. because if there's something that they can find, um, you know, any little thing, they'll do it just to, you know, make you insane. <laughs> we, we talked to the owner of uh, American Pharaoh last Friday on the show. Ooh. And uh, what last thing Jamie said to him was, make sure you bubble wrap him. And he said, you wouldn't believe what we go through to keep that horse from hurting himself. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because if they're really fit, you know, they've got all this energy and they need to use it. 
you know, so yeah, you're taking the risk like on this ride because it was a difficult, challenging ride. A lot could go wrong. However, if there's something going on with the horse, it's also a good way to find that out and weed yourself out of the, you know, entry list ahead of time rather than go through, you know, all of the um, preparations and stuff to get to Tavis. Um, you know, there's no reason to go if your horse isn't really 100%. So now for people who are new listeners to the show and are hearing about Tevis for the first time, this is this is the premier ride in the United States. This is the one that everybody aspires to do when they dream, right? Right. And this year is the 60th year for Tevis. And it was started really, the basis of this I was reading was really some some miners, right, who, who made this ride. And it was kind of, you know, all it was based on a ride that was done by miners. Well, it was um, Wendell Roby, and he made a bet or something along those lines with his friends about whether or not they could ride their horses, uh, you know, all the way from Lake Tahoe, for, Truckee, um, over to Auburn. And they did. And that's how it got started. And, you know, it basically was the birth of mo- modern day endurance riding. So the Tevis was that was that birth? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and uh, it's been going on now for 60 years. It's one of the most, I think, heavily regulated rides in the country. They have, you know, huge teams of vet staff um, that are there. You know, they're always doing everything they can vet-wise to check our horses and make sure that they're really fit to continue. Um, I know in recent years they've been doing blood work, and now when they do the blood work, when you come in about a third of the way into the ride – they're able to analyze it on site. So if they see something that looks wrong, they can go discuss it with the rider so that the rider can then hopefully make the choice to not continue rather than, you know, if the odds are showing that, you know, if you continue, you might get into trouble, you know, or there's a high probability that you would, then they can stop. And so that's like a really cool um, tool to, to help the horses, um, which I know is their one of their biggest goals is to make sure the horses all get through in good shape. I uh, found I was looking around this morning and I found I found uh, I was looking at YouTube about Tevis and I found an Italian promo for the Tevis Cup. Oh, cool! I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it, I would have played it for you, except it had the cheesiest Chinese <laughs> music. It was like music you'd hear in the Chinese restaurant when you go that has that certain sound. And this guy sounded like he should, it sounded like a porno, actually. Well, thank you for that, because I would probably keep hearing that in my head. Oh, it sounded like a porno. And this guy had the deep, sultry voice, and he was talking about Tevis and, and all this stuff. And it was an Italian promo. And I was like, I don't know where this came from, but I cannot play it. <laughs> it would like, be in everybody's head. Well, well, there's 201 entries right now. Wow. Already. That's a lot, isn't it? I remember it usually being, what, 170, 180? Usually. You know, I, I think three or four years ago when I did it, there I think there was a 206 or 207. But usually it's been around, like, one, like you said, 170 or 80, I believe. But this is, you know, because it's an anniversary year, um, I think that helps get the entries up a little bit. And it is a bucket list ride. And I know they limit it to 210. To. That's the most they'll do, uh, probably for safety reasons on the course. But uh, uh, they start doing a waiting list after 210. And you have to compete. I mean, you can't just come into this ride without having some prior experience either. They have criteria and qualifications you have to meet. How many times right. have you done this? Um, well, I've started six and finished five. 
So I want to roll because I've kind of finished the last five. So people have asked me, do I really want to go again and risk my record? You, you know, and Bo's made it through three out of three. And I'm like, well, you know, if I wasn't willing to take the chance, I wouldn't have those, you know, five completions that I've got. So yes, I'm willing to take the chance and give it our best shot. Yay. So you're getting your whole team in place and ready? I am. And and that's what I was going to talk about for my tip well, let's today. let's do that a little bit about getting prepared for Tevis. And I have on my blog, you know, you can Google my name and, and type in Tevis preparation or just um, lists. I'll put a, post a link to it right oh, now good. also okay. on our uh, Facebook page at Horses in the Morning. Okay, because I have a list of lists literally on my blog um, because the this ride logistically is a lot to prepare for because it's point to point. You start at the at, um, Roby Park in Truckee, California, and then you ride to Auburn. But the crews need to drive all the way to Auburn and then back on another road to get to the first vet check that they're going to meet you at. And so that takes them, you know, quite a bit of time. So when we start the ride at 5.15 in the morning, the crews also start their day. And so it's a really long day for the crews and they're busy all day moving our stuff from checkpoint to checkpoint for us. And so having lists can really help with um, making sure nothing gets forgotten that's important. It's also helpful if, if you do have crew members that are new and they haven't done it before, just to be able to check off, do I have all of these things that I need, you know, to bring to the, you know, first vet check or what do I need to leave at Forest Hill? Uh, all of that kind of stuff can get a little bit complicated. So I put together a binder for my crew and it contains my lists, my checklists of stuff that we go over the day before the ride and make sure we have everything kind of organized. It also contains maps with directions to all of the different locations, the cell phone numbers of everybody, stuff like that, um, the rules, um, you know, maybe a writer list of everybody that's entered, but just about anything I can think of that they might possibly be able to use that could be helpful for them. You know, uh, maps of parking at the different locations, uh, you know, and things like that. So, and I also, um, on each vet check that I plan on coming into where they're going to be, I try to put my ETA and then I show my historical times of arrival and, and put, you know, I usually have a window of half hour to 45 minutes of when I'd like to arrive. And, and hopefully we will, um, or, you know, come close to that. And then that way they have kind of an idea about when they need to be in those locations. Now, will you, how, will you arrive a day or two ahead the day before? Um, to the start, I'm fortunate that I live only about 60 miles from the start. So I, I just need to go up to the starting camp on Friday before. Okay. And, and this will happen on a Saturday? The, yes. The ride starts at 5.15 Saturday and ends at 5.15 a.m. on Sunday morning. Now, do they like other rides uh, GPS track you so you can follow people on the website? Some riders have, you know, they carry the spot or the the device called the spot tracker or a Magellan there's a, or Delorme. There's two or three different ones. We set up a phone app 
um, that's called Find Your Friend um, at work. They have it both for Android and iPhone. And we actually practiced with my crew a week or two ago. One of them, he was helping Mark Trell for the education ride, which Lisa Snyder's going to tell us about in a little bit. Um, and they rode from um, Robinson's Flat to Forest Hill. And he was able to check in on his phone and I was able to get the message and track him. And so I think that's going to be helpful for us on ride day, not just when I check in with that, my crew will know where I'm at, but each of my different crew will be able to check in and know where each other is as well. Well, you know, that it was kind of neat during the WAG, if you remember, when we, we were able to follow everybody. Right. They had the little dots on the map because uh, mm-hmm. everybody had the GPS trackers on them and it was tied into their system. That right. was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it is kind of neat, and it seems like each year when you go, we have more and more better service with our cell phones and stuff. Even last time, a couple years ago, when I did it, I was able to send a text out. I'm five minutes out, <laughs> and they got it, so they knew. Um, although I have to admit, texting and writing is, you know. Probably shouldn't be doing that either. <laughs> yeah, it dep- yeah. I guess it depends on the terrain, but uh, <laughs> most of Travis's terrain is not great. So. Well, luckily with the smartphone, I just have to push this one button twice and tell it what to do. And of course, there's the famous shots that everybody puts out there, and I put yours up there again this morning on our Facebook page. Tell us about where that's taken. Oh, the Cougar Rock photos. Yes. Yes, those are... Everybody um, lives for those, right? I mean... Those are really cool, you know, and every time I go over it, I think, oh, that's not going to come out. And then I'm really excited if I get it and I like it. But I think Bo goes over it so calmly. It's like no big deal. And so it doesn't seem like it's much of anything. But the last time he did it, he did a little hop at the top. So he's got both of his knees up and his legs tucked. And it was really kind of cool. I love that picture. It's one of my favorite ride photos of all time. And it's like a serious incline. Uh, uh. It is. And it's a solid rock. So you need to... You know, pay attention and focus. Your horse needs to be able to follow your lead, you know, when you ask them to go up this because they have to do a couple of kind of sharp turns and then um, up over the, the top. And that's what makes it such a great, you know, photo opportunity. They do have a bypass to go around it for those that aren't sure. Or if there's a wait, you know, not everybody's going to want to wait, uh, you know, to get that photo. They're, if you you're going to fall off, this is not a good place. It's not. No, no. no it's not the place you want to fall off. <laughs> but there's worse. There's worse places to fall, fall off. Now, like, one thing. There's, from, there's ahead, Pucker. Sorry. There's Pucker Point. <laughs> it's called Pucker Point for a reason. It's a pretty much a drop down a couple thousand feet. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> well, now the other thing we talked about. And we'll get to our first guest here, and we'll talk a little bit about products with Distance Depot. But uh, the other thing that uh, I remember from last year, what was a big conversation, was the one crossing. There was a bridge that went across the one stream crossing, a river mm-hmm. crossing, and it had washed out, so you didn't have that. And, and everybody... actually, it burned in the fire. Oh, that's right, it burned in the fire. It that's what it was. It burned in the fire, yep. and they rebuilt it. It's called oh, the Sweeney. Is it ready for this year? Yes, it's ready. And I've seen pictures of it, and it looks really nice. Did they make it out of something other than wood this time? um, Well, it's steel. I think the frame is probably steel. 
And um, and so it won't burn. It might melt, but it won't burn. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Part of it might be wood. You know, the part that we walk across or ride across. It's 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 really kind of cool. You get about halfway across, and then it starts to sway a little. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of walk my horse by like halfway across, and then trot the second half. (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) Because I think if you trot the whole thing, I think it might that might get it moving too much, swaying even more. (laughs) But I've never had trouble with it. The horses all handle it just fine. By that point in the ride they've gone far enough yeah and another not, good place you don't want to fall off <laughs> oh definitely not definitely not well let's uh do this let's head over to distance depot i know you had a chance to catch up to Kristen there and talk what are you talking about this time biothane tack all right let's take a listen good morning and welcome to the show Kristen. how are you today i'm great karen thanks for having me well, today we're going to talk about some of your biothane products, the beta biothane, and some of your custom tack that you make. So, um, for the listeners that don't know what biothane is, can you give us a little bit of a description? Sure. Um, biothane, for those that aren't familiar, has been on the market for over 30 years. Um, it was very widely used um, in harness and still is today. However, it's much more popular in all of the riding disciplines now, especially endurance and trail riders. Um, the biothane is a shiny um, poly material that is uh, a coating over nylon. So if you think about your nylon halter, essentially the coating is over that. So it's very strong and very durable. The coating has been improved over the years. Um, it's basically a PVC coating, but it's very durable. It's waterproof, easy to clean, um, molds to your horse. It's really a fabulous, uh, fabulous product. And um, that describes the biothane. That's the shiny material. Then they've come out now with the beta. Um, and the beta biothane is a matte finish material, which looks like leather. So it's um, much more desirable for the folks that are very traditional so we do a lot of our tack in a brown or black, um, making it, you know, easy for dressage user, uh, uh, riders to use um, while they're training, and they can save their good leather tack for the show. And what kind of colors does this come in? Oh, it comes in a huge variety of colors anymore. Um, of course, black and brown. We have bright oranges. We have yellows, lime greens turquoise, all shades of blue. Um, I think we have, oh, heck, I bet we have over 30 colors here um, at the Distance Depot. And biothane has actually, um, this year, bioplastics, which is the genuine beta biothane that we use. Um, It's manufactured in the USA, which we really like. Um, They have come out with some new colors. So they have some fun camo colors, and they have some reflective colors, which are really great for safety. Um, we're using those products on, for instance, the neck collars um, that you use um, for your high tie. So we can mm-hmm. use those reflective colors for items like that for safety. And we're making now, we're making a stirrup cage. Um, many folks are probably um, aware that uh, Easy Care has, for instance, a cage that um, keeps your foot from slipping through. And now we can make the cages out of any of the great colors that biothane comes in. So that makes it really fun. 
Right. And you, you mentioned the reflective um, yeah. stuff, which is, you know, really kind of neat. Um, tell us about that a little bit. So it has the biothane um, colors, if you will, um, as the main color. And right down through the center of the color is actually a reflective strip. So like you might see on running gear. So if you shine a flashlight or, um, you know, headlights or something like that, if you're mm-hmm. out riding at night, you'll be able to see. Or if you're looking for your horse in his pen, I always, you know, when I'm sleeping in my camper, I'm always peeking out the window. Mm-hmm. still out there? <laughs> but you can see, you know, it will reflect. We also have a, a product that is in biothane, but we do offer it. It's a glow material. It has reflective properties. Um, it has no strength to it, so we only use it as an accent color. But it is really good for safety as well, riding at night, and also um, the reflective properties, and also the fact that it glows. It's just a, a glowing product that lasts for years and years which is really nice, too. Okay, and for writers that really want to customize their look with their colors, are you able to customize the tack to to meet their needs? Absolutely. I would say, oh, probably 95% of our orders are custom-made to order. <laughs> and so many options. Um, of course, the colors. We, we prefer to use the beta material, which, uh, as I mentioned, is the matte-finished material. It's a little thicker, so it comes in thicknesses, and it's comfortable for the horse to wear, whereas that biothane, the shiny biothane, only comes in one thickness. Of course, they come in different widths, but okay. it's very customizable. They can choose their colors um, with accent colors and so on, so it's a lot of fun for the riders that really like the colors. And, and what's the difference between having brass or stainless hardware? Well, I think brass is actually a bit softer. I've heard it's a softer metal. Mm-hmm. So folks are really concerned um, if a horse were to get into a situation that they wanted the hardware to break, um, because, of course, we do want something to break if they mm-hmm. start to panic or, or get lost. And, you know, I've heard it over the years. Um, you know, you want something to break, and let's hope it is a piece of hardware. They do say the solid brass is a little bit softer as far as the metal properties go, but um, I like the stainless steel just for the e- ease of cleaning. You know, brass over time will tarnish. It's the mm-hmm. nature of the metal. But, um, again, it just depends on, on your situation and, and how, you know, how you're using this tech, too. If it's, um, you know... If you're not tying a lot in that sort of situation, I don't know. The stainless is very popular, but we make it both ways. We offer it with the brass or with the stainless. And if someone was interested in ordering, um, where how, how would they get in touch with you? Well, they can visit our website, which is um, thedistancedepot.com, and, or they may phone us uh, toll-free, 866 866- Eight six three two three four nine. Our website does have a bunch of information that we've talked about today on the site. We also have a measuring video and measuring instructions if your horse is hard to fit. Um, so if you want to measure for us and provide us with measurements, we're happy to customize your tack that way as well. And what is the lead time usually when somebody places an order? Well, it's usually very quick. We do our best to get our orders out just as quickly as possible. Um, I've heard that we have one of the fastest turnaround 
um, in, in the custom <laughs> custom tack uh, venue. We, um, we, mm-hmm. we can typically get our tack out within a day, um, day or two of your order. So people are always amazed at how quickly they do receive their tack. I know you've always gotten my stuff really quickly, really fast. Yeah. So thank you. And, and thank you again for being on the show. Well, thanks so much. Well, thank you, Karen, for putting that together. And, of course, we use uh, we use that same kind of tack, the same kind of beta uh, when mm-hmm. we for us drivers. So uh, we're using that for harnesses as well. It's great stuff. It lasts forever. And, oh, I can just take it out and hose it off. That is a nice thing. <laughs> I know. Nice. Or run it in the dishwasher. Uh, yeah, I haven't gotten That's to great. that. I can't get okay. there, Karen. I just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> can't do it. Oh, come on. I'm a horse husband. I can't allow that kind of activity in the house. It's just... <laughs> you must have a patient, patient husband is all I got to say. <laughs> just put it in the top rack. Or he's tolerant or something. I don't know. I know. I'm not even sure I'm the harness would fit in there, to be honest with you, because it's a lot of, you know, harnesses are much bigger. Right, so. right. Yeah, it would fill up the whole rack. It would, definitely. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> just, do you run it empty then after... You could. Yeah, yeah. Like to get the horse hair out and all of that. I don't know. It usually seems fine. Oh, um, God. Because I know, know when she does her to like saddle pads. Now now we're fortunate in that we have a washer dryer in the barn. But uh, oh, when cool. she would do her saddle pads in here, it's like, run that empty because it's the whole thing's just covered in hair. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. You horse Yeah, girls. we have to sometimes sneak, sneak that stuff in when yeah. nobody's home. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Well, let's uh, do this. Let's have you introduce our next guest. Okay. Paul Cidio has ridden endurance for several years. He's got close to 4,000 miles. And we finally were able to catch up with him and talk about his finish at the Australian's Tom Quilty, which is their 100-mile equivalent ride to Artevis. And Paul's going to tell us about his adventure and what it was like starting a ride at midnight with 342 horses. Well, good morning, Paul, and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, Karen. It's great to be here or there, wherever I am. Well, I know we tried to kind of hook up last month, right after you had ridden in the Australian Tom Quilty, and it just didn't work out. Um, But we're really looking forward to hearing um, a little bit about your adventure. So so tell us, um, start from the beginning. How did you end up? getting invited to go over or, or or whatever to go ride in the quilty in Australia? Well, a few years ago, uh, a number of the Australians were kind of come over here and volunteer at Tevis and just watch. And, and I knew one of them was Jay Randall. And I said, gee, I'm headed out to Tevis. Do you think any of the folks coming would want to ride a horse? I have an extra horse. And of course, they got excited. And we wound up actually finding rides for uh, six Australians that year. And Rather than a monetary lease, which creates a client-customer thing, we were just friends lending a horse to another friend, mm-hmm. and they, they supplied us with horses in 2012 at the ride in Kilcave in Queensland. And then we did it again. Uh, last year, we had uh, a rider come over and ride one of my horses at Tevis, and she made it to uh, Chicken Hawk and, and got pulled slightly tight in the rear end and had a great time, and then... She returned the favor. I rode one of her horses uh, at this year's Quilty. And what was it like starting at at midnight with 342 entries? 
They did an incredible job. I was very nervous about it, as you can imagine. Uh-huh. Uh, about the first mile or so, mile and a half, was on asphalt. Mm. So if you can imagine 342 horses starting off at midnight. Now, it's really an amazing thing. That it's a world-class event. They have big, portable, like, stadium lights in our warm-up areas. So it's like warming up you know, on a football field or something. It's very well lit. And they had a musician, live music, singing songs before we took wow. off. <laughs> and uh, but what they did, well, they, I thought they did it great. They had a pace car, and they didn't have a signed pen. So they just told us, if you think you want to be up at the front, uh, you need to be there. Uh, we're going to take the first 120 or so and then stop. And we're going to give them about 100 yards, 100 meters, whatever, head start. And then we're going to have a second pace car go. That way, in case they had a loose horse, a wreck, a rider come off, you didn't have to try to sort out 342 horses. You just had 120 you sorted mm-hmm. out. So they had a second pace <laughs> car, second group of 120 went out, third pace car, last group went out. Nobody came off, no loose horses. Uh, I don't even know how many people there were cheering us on as we left, you know, 500, 800 people, whatever it was you know, lining the road and around the area we were trotting all cheering and clapping. It was just quite a quite a deal. Wow. And what was the ride like? A lot of road, which really kind of surprised me, but when you put that many people on it. But then they actually put us on a piece of the trail that they had done at the very first Quilty. And there's a big ride they have there called Shazada, which is a five-day pioneer ride. They call them marathons. And we were actually right by those trails. Very rocky. Uh, I mean, very. Think of Cougar Rock, but being loose, mm-hmm. that steep, and three times as high. And that's some of the hills we went up. Uh, we had to step off a ledge. It was about three foot. Pretty interesting. In the dark, by the way. This is after we've gone about eighty miles. We hit that stretch. Mm-hmm. It's a very pretty track. Uh, very a lot of mature forest that we went through. Kind of like a birch or an aspen, like a white bark tree. Very pretty. Very mm-hmm. parklike. Uh, we'd get up up in the hills. It was just a gorgeous ride. But like I said, a lot of it was on the road, which which actually made it easier. You know, here in the United States, you know, the slower horses and the slower cars on the highway stay to the right, and you say passing on the left. <laughs> right. In Australia, they drive on the <laughs> correct. <laughs> in Australia, <laughs> they drive on the left side of the road. So we would be have to uh, we would pass on the right. The faster horses pass on the right, and there were a few times that I would start to pass on the left. I say passing, and they would pull over the left. You know, of course here you think, well, what's that fool blocking me for? But actually, that, that's how they do. And then also there was a couple places we had like a keyhole. We go out and back. Uh-huh. Well, when you meet another horse here in the United States, you naturally you tend to go to the right side of the trail, like how we pass cars mm-hmm. on the two lane road. Well, there they do the same thing, except they pull to the left side. And so, I would I would meet another horse on coming, and I'd go to pull to the right side, and I go whoops. <laughs> but they'd laugh. But they were very friendly, very welcoming, very forgiving. Of you know, there were nine Americans that were there. Great. And six of us completed. Good. Uh, but uh, another kind of interesting thing to me, they don't list the results, the overall results. Like you can, you've done Tevis, you can go back and you can say, I finished 68th at Tevis or 112th uh-huh. or whatever. Over there, they just list the results by weight divisions. 
So and, I was the 27th heavyweight rider, and I have no clue what my overall placement was. Well, what time did you finish? Uh, it was uh, 9.30 at night. Started okay. at midnight. I got done at 9.30. So I was out there, uh, what would that be, eight, 19 and a half hours. My ride time was 18 hours and 12 minutes, I think. Wow. That must have been kind of weird, though, finishing 100 you know, here, we're usually not finished at 9.30 at night. <laughs> well, but we don't start at midnight either. Exactly. So so, so what, what was that like? I mean, did you get any sleep before the ride? I did, actually. I got, I got a couple hours sleep, and that was hard. Uh, I was very disciplined about it, and I, I told people that, you know, I'm, I'm going to go. We had a rider meeting in the afternoon. I said, I'm going to bed at 6 o'clock. And I'm going to nap or whatever. I'm, I'm 65 now, so taking naps is an easy thing. But uh, I went, I said, I'm going to lay down and I'm going to get up at 11 o'clock. And my strapper was going to be taking care of the horse. I was going to get up at 11 and start working with helping the strapper. And, and uh, at about 9.30, one of the, we had some uh, other crew people, strappers, they call them strappers, the crew people. They were staying in our, our cabin with us and, and she got mixed up what the time was. And it, at 9.30, she thought it was 11.30. It was pounding on the door in my bedroom saying, wake up, wake up, you're going to miss the start. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I got about three hours of a nap. And that helped. But it was, it was, uh, it was uh, definitely different. Sure. Tell us a little uh, about, you mentioned that they had a celebrity MC and some TV stars there. Yeah, they had, uh, there's a, actually a TV show that was like their number one show for a number of years called McLeod's Daughters. And they showed it over here in the United States, actually, on the Lifetime channel, I believe, years ago. And it was uh, kind of a farm soap opera, I guess you'd call it. But it was it was a nice show. Uh, I, I used to watch it here. In fact, I had the DVDs for the first three seasons. But they had an actor and his wife who was also on the show. And they did the MC for the ride meeting and they did the MC for the awards meeting, and then they were around camp all day, and they were supposed to, uh, they have a deal that they allow us, for their, this is their national championship, but they allow a celebrity rider to go out and complete one loop, and then they withdraw, like a rider option. Uh-huh. But, uh, and, but he had an issue come up with his horse uh, the week before, so he wasn't able to ride. So, uh, But he was around all day, and his wife was, and, and they were fascinated. They come from... Uh, Western horsemanship, roping and reining background. They were just fascinated by what we were doing endurance-wise. They were just astounded. Sure. And the quilty in Australia is a really big deal, isn't it? You know, it, it is. It's, it's, people think it's Tevis, but it's really more like our national championship in that it, it revolves among five states. And those five states, you know, you know 20 years from now where the quilty is going to be as far as what state it's going to be in. Okay. But it revolves around those, and those states are huge, and they're bigger than Texas, so think of it as five regions here in the United States. Okay. So it would be like if, it'd be like the southeast, the northeast, uh, the west, the southwest, and the central, or whatever, would rotate, and you would know that every five years it's coming to your region. Now, within those regions, actually, it's usually not an individual ride manager, it's usually a club. They have a very strong club system, like in the United States here, oh, in Kentucky, they have the Daniel Boone distance riders. Mm-hmm. Here, Missouri and Oklahoma, we have those our country endurance riders. I think out in California, they have some. Southeast has Sarah, uh, Southeast endurance riders. So those clubs actually do the bid and choose the location where the 
cruelty will be held. Okay. And they do it several years ahead of time. It's like, you know, t- you know, last year they knew that the quilty for the coming year is going to be in Victoria, the, the province of Victoria, and they knew where it's going to be. They've been working on the on the project, so they're very well organized. Uh, they take a lot of lead time. It's a it's, it's a big budget. I think their budget is probably close to a half million dollars for the event. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah, it's a big, it's, it's a very big deal. Uh, they had a tent that they put up that was just fabulous. And the night after the ride, after the awards, we had the ride meeting the awards. The night after, they had a dinner and a dance in there. They served, it was sold out, 750 people. And wow. with a dance ball and everything. So it was a, it's a very big event. And very they, they do a good job with it. What makes you want to ride the 100-mile rides? You know, the 100-mile ride is, is the ultimate test. Uh, of, of a horse and a rider, mm-hmm. and in a hundred mile ride, you can't cheat. You can't, as I say, cheat. You, you can't. You can't fool yourself or the horse. It's got to be a hundred percent honest. If your horse uh-huh. is a little off, you can't nurse it through a vet check. If you're not hydrated, if the horse isn't hydrated, it all sorts out. And speed is not as important as just finishing. You know, right. Who, uh, you can go out and, and you can blast a horse through 25 miles. And you can blast a horse through 50 miles and not take care of it good. But if you don't take care of a horse for 100 miles, if you don't take care of yourself, you're done. Right. And so I like that. To me, it's what endurance is about. It's about finishing the win and just completing 100, you've won. Exactly. 70, 80 miles on 100, you've won. <laughs> right. So, out of the hundreds you've done in the United States, um, yeah. tell us a little bit which ones are the most memorable that you liked the most or, or had a great experience on. Well, I love the Old Dominion. Of course, that's where the national championships can be ridden this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the chance to ride the old course the last year they had it there, and it was, it was my first hundred. And I, I like that. I like challenging scenic ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a ride in Colorado, the Colorado Mountain Metal, and they, I think they quit having the 100 there because they didn't have enough attendance. But it was amazing riding on the Colorado Trail and then <clears throat> coming back at night and looking out over the whole metropolitan Denver area was just astounding. Of course, I love Tevis, too. I've completed it three times. And Vermont. We're headed to Vermont. Uh, in fact, we're leaving Saturday. The Vermont 100, where you have 300 ultramarathoners sharing the trail with you. Wow. And then the and then they do a unique thing there. The hundreds start at five in the morning. The seventy fives start, I believe, at ten in the morning, and the fifty mile horses start at two in the afternoon. Oh. And it's one big giant loop. You don't come back to camp until the the very finish. And so the the fifth the seventy fives go out there and then they cut off one little leg and all of a sudden you're riding a hundred mile ride and you've got seventy five mile riders with you. And mm-hmm. a little bit later you get 50-mile riders, so we all finish <laughs> about the same time, which is a really neat thing. It's called Moonlight in Vermont is what they used to call it. I see. And but by I'm, that point, your horse has the edge off, so it's well, that's it. and, not going to get so actually, excited. And Well, but the other thing is you get fresh horses that are kind of your horse has been going. Your horse has gone 80 miles, and now you've got 50-mile horses that have only gone 30 miles, and they're uh-huh. feeling pretty perky. Your uh-huh. horse kind of wakes back up again. It's, but the other thing that's kind of neat, too, is... A lot of the rides that we have, you have the limited distance folks and the 50-mile riders. Well, they're done by, you know, 6, 7 o'clock at night. 
eight o'clock at night. They're having dinner. They're having their awards. And us 400 mile people, we're still out there slogging down the trail. Mm-hmm. Well, the next morning, you know, we we get up, sleep deprived, have our little award thing, and can hardly hear what's going on because of all the you know trailers pulling out. Right. But at Vermont, everybody's together. The 50s, the 75s, and the 100s all got done, you know, around the same time. Oh, and that's so that next cool. morning, it, it is. I just, I really like it. It's, it's. Uh, I, I did the right one time and really liked it. We're going back to do it again. Um, so Vermont is is really nice. I've done another of other hundreds that I really enjoyed also. They've not been as you know spectacular mm-hmm. scenery wise, maybe. But uh, anytime you're doing a hundred is, is a good day. Right. Are there any that that are on your bucket list that you haven't done yet? You know, I'd like to do the Bighorn. In fact, this year, a number of my friends from the Southeast are out doing the Bighorn. They were all trying to encourage me to come, but we had already made plans. We're taking, now this is the tough part, this is why it's called endurance. We're taking uh, a 16-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 9-year-old uh, girls with us. Wow. On a trip to okay. So <laughs> there'll be five of us in a motorhome for a little over two weeks and a horse, hauling a horse and doing a 100-mile ride. So the hundred is the ride at Vermont. The hundred is when I'm going to get some rest and relaxation and some sleep, probably while I'm out on trail there. Well, that'll be kind of fun for the girls, though. Oh, we're taking them to New York uh, the City, and we're taking them to Canada. We got passports for little rascals. Oh, cool. We're taking them up to Quebec City, Niagara Falls on the way back, and so that's the thing. There are nieces and uh, grandchildren. And do they ride? Do they ride horses? Oh, they ride a little bit, not a lot. Uh, they do volunteer though. They'll oh, be working uh, the holds as and the, with helping the pulse timers at the at the holds there at the, the Vermont ride. And the one girl that came with us last year to the Old Dominion, uh, she worked one of the away vet checks. With my wife, who helps out there too, she volunteers. Oh, good. So I saw on your wall the other day you commented about um, having to sneak to do your um, contraband laundry. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't do a, I didn't do a very good job cleaning you got up caught. the dryer. I got caught. <laughs> I, I can't sit down right now because I've been chewed on pretty pretty well. <laughs> so, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I got caught. I think we all I do. Washer, I got the washer cleaned out, but I didn't get the dryer cleaned out good enough. And so I had to get out again this morning, and she'd come in and says, "Still not good enough. There's still horse hair in there." I said, "Well, maybe it came off my pants or my breeches. No, it came off of that saddle blanket. Clean it up." <laughs> I know, been there, done that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well. Oops. I know. Well, it was oh, fun well. talking to you, Paul. Uh, I just want to wish you good luck at the Vermont Hundred, and thanks oh, thank for being you. on the show. I I, uh, I hope you do well at tennis this year. It's a thanks. it's an incredible ride, and uh, I, I probably will go back out there again another time. I hope so. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing ride. You know, any hundred, though. I wish I wish people supported the other hundreds as much as they do Tevis. I just, uh, any hundred is just an amazing thing. The bond between you and your horse is just unforgettable. It sure is. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. It's so funny that you guys talked about the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> this is the reverse way, though. <laughs> That's funny. What a nice guy. So glad you got to catch up with him. And he's right about the hundreds. You know, 100 miles is 100 miles, right? 
Um, you're still in the saddle for a very long time, no matter what kind of terrain or scenery is like, you're still in the saddle for a very long time. It's a long day. I could, he is 65. He said something like that. I can't imagine at the age of 65, getting up at midnight and then riding to almost midnight. (laughs) It's just something (laughs) else. Uh, Especially after flying most of the way around the world to Australia. I know. You know, you must have had some jet lag. I need my sleep. (laughs) I know. What a cool thing to get to do. Yes. Just how amazing. And the start sounded like it was something out of, you know, out of the movies. So (laughs) I know. I mean, bands playing. Australians, they know how to party. They don't have to do it right. Don't they, though? I know. know They're fun. That's right. Well, now, you know the gentleman that did this. We're going to play a song for everybody right after Karen talks about uh, uh, her renegade boots. And you know the song that uh, gentleman did this. His name is Peter Clayton, right? Mm-hmm. And he did a song about Tevis. And we got permission to play it on the show this morning, so I'd love for everybody to hear that. But first... I know that you will be right now making sure that you have your all your Renegade hoof boots lined up for Tevis, right? I do. I've been getting ready and making sure I have, you know, I don't like to use new boots on a ride. So I, I need to get the boots I'm going to take on Tevis broken in. I plan on using the Renegade strap-on boots on the fronts. And I think I'm probably going to glue the regular Renegade glue-on boots on the hinds. Uh, and I've done it both ways in the past on Tevis. I've done strap-ons on all fours. I've done glue-ons. The year I did glue-ons, I got some glue that didn't hold, and I ended up in strap-ons anyway. So I think I'm hedging my bets this year by going half and half. Do you set no matter, it up that you have extra boots at every stop point? Do you I carry, carry them with them? I, yes, I'm going to carry you? extra boots with me and have extras in my crew bags. Uh, you know, a boat does so well in Renegades. I've been using them on him for, you know, several years now. He's done most of the rides I've done with him in the Renegade strap-ons. And I really like them because they're so easy to put on and take off. If I want to color coordinate, I can. I mainly use the orange boots. I was going to ask you if orange was your color this year. You know, I I think I'm going to go a little bit turquoise with the orange, but I am going to orange, you know, use the orange boots with more of a a blue kind of color theme. You're going nautical on us. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So I know, you know, and Renegades, they're great for supporting us. They usually send me Renegade t-shirts for my crew to wear at the ride so we can all spot each other, which is really great. And, uh... You know, I know all the Renegade riders are getting together and we've all got our boots. They've already sent them to us. So we're all, everybody's been practicing in them and making sure we get all of our adjustments correct and and that sort of thing. And How long will uh, a pair of boots, Renegade boots, last you? You know, that depends on the horse. Uh, Most of the time, I would say you can get between 600 and 1,000 miles. On a set. And you'll usually need to replace the Velcro toe straps once or twice in that time. You know, and the boots are easy to care for. When I take them off after I've ridden, like I just rode um, Bo at the Gold Country 50 Saturday. And when I finished, I just tossed his boots into a bucket of water. Uh, I used 
you know, the same four strap on boots for the whole ride. And they worked just terrific for him. Uh, and then I take them out of the water. Once I'm done, you know, cleaning up my horse, then the boots are ready. I usually take a soft brush and just brush off everything, undo the Velcro straps and, and rinse out any dirt or sand that might be in them. And then I lay them back over kind of in position so that they dry that way. And that seems to extend the longevity of the Velcro by rinsing it out after each time I do a ride. Yeah, that's the part that, I mean, once you get sand in there, that's that kills Velcro. So, I know, it's yeah, hard on it. Yeah. It is. It that's is. a good idea. Mm-hmm. And that is the part that, you, that will wear out first on those on those boots. Well, I'm so excited that you right. get to go in your Renegade Hoof Boots. You can find those at renegadehoofboots.com. And as Karen said, there's many different colors. You can go with the strap-ons or the glue-ons. We've had conversations about that before. So uh, renegadehoofboots.com. We're going to be looking for all the pictures of you out there in your orange boots, or turquoise boots, your orange and turquoise boots. Maybe. Well, they boots. don't. I'm just going to do orange boots. But Oh, you are? Okay. But, uh-huh, but the clothing may be turquoise. Oh, I got yes. it. We know if I fall off Pucker Point, I want to be found. found. So I need to be colorful. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, let's take no. a listen to this song that was done by Peter Clayton. It's about the Tevis Cup. And I, he has written the Tevis Cup, I assume. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that. So here we go. Tevis is as tough as it is long One hundred miles to ride from dawn to dawn From Roby Park's cool mountain air To Auburn Town's gold country fair Ride on Ride on the heart of a horse under a rider's command With courage, grit and faith They'll strive to get it done One thousand who beats at the start Raise dusty moonbeams in the dark Ride on Ride on Chief wilderness to massive cougar rock Then on to Robinson Flat Climbing up the elephant's trunk The trail blazed many years before When miners hunted gold and silver roll Ride on Ride on From last chance to Michigan Passing devil's thumb Trail climbs up and down Beneath the baking sun And the ghost of Duncan Ferguson Still collects his toll Blood, sweat and tears Instead of gold Ride on Ride on On to Forest Hill For water, rest and hay then down to Francisco's at the ending of the day. Switchbacks carve a steep descent, two thousand feet or more. Rivers wading down below you hear its mighty roar. Ride on, ride on. Ride on. 
Rover Riding along Trust your horse to find the way Then cross that river in a cloud of spray Ride on Ride on From no hands bridge is just a quick step to the top And every horse and rider there Has proved they're tough enough Wendell's hoof prints to the end of Terry's trail And collect that silver buckle and live to tell the tale Ride on Ride on Moving on Get her done That was Peter Clayton, and he has done... Karen, you said he's done that four times? He started four and finished three? I think so, yes. Yeah, well, terrific. Isn't that great? Yeah, that that is terrific. It is terrific, and it gives you that feeling of... It kind of... The, the, with the tune the way it is, it kind of gives you that feeling like you'd be listening to this in the dark. You know, you're riding <laughs> in the dark. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And then at the end there, that must have got you all your blood going again, ready to go. I know. <laughs> Good job, Peter. Ready. Love yes, that. thank you for doing that. Love that. You're listening to Horses in the Morning. I'm Glenda Geek here with Karen Chatton. And of course, it is Endurance Day that we do once a month on the second Tuesday of every month here on Horses in the Morning. One of our most popular episodes we do every month. And that's thanks to Karen being such a superstar. We appreciate you. And we are brought to you by the American Endurance Ride Conference. And we're going to be hearing from one of their representatives coming up here shortly. But I just wanted to say, Karen, I was looking through the list of uh, entries for this year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we got people coming from all over the United States, but I was mostly looking at the breed. And of course, Arab is 90%, right? But I wanted to give a shout out to some other breeds that we see beside Arab on that list. Mustangs. There's a quite a few Mustangs. Yes, there are. That are going to show up. I was excited to see that. And I know Jamie will uh-huh. be too. Jamie right now, my normal co-host here, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, is out for a two-week uh, Mustang Gentling Clinic at Monty Roberts Place at Flag is Up Farm in California. So she's been working with some Mustangs for the last week and a half now and, and having a blast out there. They're terrific horses. Um, Frisian crosses. There were a couple Frisian, I assume, cross with Mustangs, and I that one kind of surprised me a little bit. Right, and we have. Um, you probably recognize a lot of the names on this list we've had on the show. I know as guests. <laughs> I know. I'm looking you at know, them. and Nicole's one of them. She she rode her Frisian cross horse in Tevis and did very well on it. And it looks like this time she's riding a a different one. And so. Tennessee walking horse. Uh, I think we've had her on the show too. Um, well, we have, we've had Wayne on who's doing his first Tevis on his spotted saddle horse. Oh, that's right. Yes. And, and so he said he would come on later and tell us how it goes. So hopefully everybody has a good ride and everything goes their way. Rocky Mountain Horse. There's a Rocky Mountain uh-huh. Horse here. Rocky Mountain. Yeah. I'm looking at so, Saddlebred Arabs. An uh, Akulteki. A Standard Bread. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anglos and um, Kentucky Mountain Appy, Horse. 
Epicrosses, Corab. Yeah, quite a few. Now, it says as of July 11th, uh, there was 201 entries, 9 junior riders, 10 countries, 24 U.S. states, and 22 signature entries. What does that mean, signature entries? The signature entries, uh, the people, basically, they're doing a donation, I believe, to the Western States Trail Foundation. So instead of the regular entry fee, they're paying a higher amount, which gets them... I believe they get something like a horse blanket and some extra stuff in return for their donation. Mm. Do they get to take a shortcut too? <laughs> no, I don't no. think there are any shortcuts. <laughs> it's point to point. Oh, okay. like shortcut. Yeah, <laughs> there are some runners that recently got in big trouble for that, uh, marathoners. Did they? Uh, yeah, they would did, They would cut across, sneak duck out and cut across back streets and, you know, cut off a section of the ride. Oh. And I know that, you know, that's been a conversation actually on the AERC, too, they, uh, recently about that. Uh, but you know what? You're doing this, you know, this is not, with most endurance riders, it's not about winning. It's about challenging yourself. So why would you do that? Right. It, it's, you know, you know what you did. Right. And, you know, really all that matters to me is what my horse thinks of me, you know. So there is no point in, in trying to cheat or, you know, you want to be able to feel that, you, you know, with your sense of accomplishment of what you did, it was the same as what everybody else did. That's why it means something. Well, let's uh, interview, introduce our next guest. Right. We have Lisa Schneider. She's the AARC vice president currently, and she's going to tell us about the Tevis educational ride that was held over the July 4th weekend. And she's also going to tell us about some of the great mentor and educational problem programs available through the AARC. Uh, welcome to the show, Lisa. How are you today? I'm great, Karen, and thanks so much for having me on. No, I understand you just did the Tevis educational ride. Uh, tell us about that. Well, it didn't go quite as planned for me because when I got up there, the horse I was borrowing was lame. But oh. I got to pitch in and crew. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a, a disappointment, but these things happen. So I got to pitch in and crew uh, for a bunch of friends who were doing the ride and especially a wonderful woman from Canada who came all the way from Ontario. And she was just amazing, just a, a wonderful uh, person to crew for because she was so flexible and adaptable, but she just mm -hmm. so thoroughly enjoyed the Tevis Trail. And so that, that really and made it okay for me not riding. Okay, well, describe the two days of the Ed ride, like where it starts and where it ends, and tell us a little bit about some of the other stuff that's going on during that weekend. So the, the logistics were set up where people camped at Forest Hill, and that's the location of the vet check at mile 68. Mm -hmm. And for the first day on Saturday... The riders were shuttled to Robinson Flat, which is mile 36 on the ride, and started from there and rode back to Forest Hill. So they did about 32 miles that day. So the way it was set up is the riders were all paired with mentors, and then there was a separate division they called the Master's Division, where that was people who were very experienced either with their horses or have ridden on that trail 
or have done Tevis before, and they just wanted to go at their own pace. So on on that evening, on Saturday evening, there were several seminars set up. They had people like Ann Hall talk about crewing. Becky Hart talked about uh, centered riding and, and keeping your your balance to help the horse over the, the long night mm-hmm. that you're riding, you know, so many hours. And uh, they also had a hoof poot uh, demonstration and lots of free food. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what was the ride the second day? The second day, the riders started out from Forest Hill. Again, that's mile 68 on the actual trail. And they rode to Francisco's, which is the mile 85 vet check, and then came up out of Francisco's on part of the, the uh, White Oak Flat Trail, which is not part of Tevis. But that's how they got out to be picked up by the trailers and then were shuttled back to Forest Hill for the, the base camp area. And how, how many riders were there? They had about 60 riders each day. I think it was about 62 the first day and about 57 or so the second day. So they had a really good turnout, and um, I think they had a waiting list. Wow. So, so many people wanted to do this ride. It's The, the Tevis is really a, a big bucket list ride because, you know, it's the oldest ride that we have and in this country and started endurance really well before mm-hmm. the founding of the AERC. And this gave people a way to see the trail without having to do the whole thing. They could do it in pieces. They could do it over a couple of days. They could do it with multiple horses. You had all that flexibility to, to see the trail, both for you and your horse. Mm-hmm. And I understand that if, if you participate in the education ride, it increases your odds of, of completing Tevis? They have an absolutely phenomenal statistic. Now, I think everybody knows that the normal Tevis completion rate averages about 50%. If you go to the education ride and you participate in that, your odds of completion go up tremendously. I think the stat's actually close to 90%. So wow. it's, a, it's an obvious benefit. And this only, this doesn't happen every year, does it? No, it happens every other year okay. just because of the, the drain on the volunteers. It just is a phenomenal amount of coordination and uh, help required to pull off something of this nature. So uh, you can understand it. it's it's very labor intensive. Right. Tell us a little bit about the AARC mentor program. So I mentioned that a lot of the riders uh, were paired up with mentors on the Tevis mm-hmm. educational ride, and AERC has had a big push over the last couple of years to formalize the mentor program, and it really is a, a wonderful way for people to use whatever mode is best for them, whether that be riding with people or emailing for questions and answers or calling people to have a discussion about whatever issues are cropping up. Um, the mentor program is set up so people can make use of all those various ways to communicate with experienced riders. And you can find the mentor list 
on the newly revamped website, which is aerc.org, and it's under the Education tab. And it's organized by region. So you find your region of the country, and then you find the list of mentors, and you can feel free to call any or all of them to find the, the person with the experience that suits you the best. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. How many mentors do we have so far? Well, we have, I think it's almost up to an average of 10 per region. Some have more, some okay. have a little bit less. So it's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good list. And, and everybody on there has had to qualify uh, with a, a minimum number of miles and experience. So oh, um, it's not the, the blind leading the blind kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> good. And, and what other things can somebody find relating to education on the AARC website? Well, the website is really a tremendous resource for everyone. Uh, there are articles there about getting to your first ride. There are videos there showing you how to do a lot of things like camping with your horse safely, uh, what to pack in a crew bag, uh, what to expect at a vet check, things of that nature. We have a, a whole YouTube channel now set up with videos done by Dr. Susan Garlinghouse. And she and her, her crew of Ken and Julie Herrera do a wonderful job of explaining things uh, with just really great pictures of uh, how to do all this stuff. So it's less intimidating. Um, also on the website are things like the ride calendar. So you can choose what region you're in or want to go to. A lot of people like to go visit other regions and make it into a vacation during mm-hmm. the rides. And um, the rules are on there, uh, which are also important to know. And we've had a big push in educational clinics over the last year. So you can find a clinic in your area. Um, They are organized at various levels. So uh, if you're a, a brand new person just getting a start, you can go to the Endurance 101 clinics, or you could go to an advanced one if you're looking to... Uh, do things like top 10 or do multi-days and end up with your horse in in better shape so that they can continue over various Mm -hmm. days. Great. And the latest news we have that's really exciting is that um, we have a team of riders that have been accepted into the Rose Bowl Parade. This is absolutely huge. Um, Gail Pena is an AERC member who's had uh, parade experience before. She's actually been uh, featured in the Endurance News magazine uh, with her endurance horse, uh, who did an endurance ride one weekend and the Rose Bowl parade the next weekend. And she's organized this group. Uh, I think she's been on your show before and mm-hmm. talked about how they had to qualify and uh, they submit a very lengthy application, which includes pictures of the riders and the horses and their tack, as well as their parade experience. And it took several months, and they heard just uh, several days ago that they've been accepted. So there's a huge uh, swell of support 
from AERC. It's all over Facebook and the internet lists about how you can get a, a grandstand seat and come and support the AERC Rose Parade group. Um, mm-hmm. And the board, the board of AERC is also going to be talking about how we can uh, support them as well, because there are a lot of uh, costs involved. You know, they're paying for the, their uniforms, they're paying for stabling, and most people don't know that the Rose Parade horses have to stay all night in their trailers on the on freeway, the freeway. Which is closed. <laughs> well, actually, on the freeway, which is closed down uh, in preparation. So they start getting ready uh, at four in the morning. And so this is a really big deal. So there are people organizing uh, RV caravans to come and support the AERC parade group. Right. There's a lot of logistics involved. A tremendous amount of logistics. So they have to get people uh, from wherever they are in Northern and Southern California uh, participating. And Karen, I think you're going to be joining them, right? Right. We have uh, seven horses from my area that are in the group and we've been doing parades up here as well. So um, we're all very, very excited, you know, that this has come true. It's like a dream for so many people. It's a big bucket list kind of thing to be, you know, it's, you know, what an honor to get to do this. Well, it's going to be nationally televised and people talk about it from all over the world. And I saw a post on Facebook this morning. Um, a guy regularly comes out from Missouri to watch the Rose Parade. I uh-huh. think that's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And I've noticed that the number of horses has dwindled a little bit over the years in the Rose Parade. So I am so happy and so pleased that not only are we going to have more horses in it, but that they are representing AERC, and these are all endurance riders. Right. It's just a great way to expose to the world our group. It's it's phenomenal. I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, I hope to be able to go and at least watch. Um, Mm -hmm. I I might try and be a walker if I can rearrange uh, prior commitments that... uh, are now much less important. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. I know this is one of those lifetime experiences. It absolutely is. And I know those people who, who have the opportunity to be in it, such as yourself, will, will treasure it forever. I mean, how, how cool is that? You know, I was in the Rose Parade. I know. I know. I'm really excited because I get to bring both of my horses. So which one are you going to ride? I'm going to ride Chief. Oh, you know, that's because, great. That's great. So who's riding Bo? Uh, Kayla Ramsdell. She's the ju- She's ah. not a junior now, but right. back in 2001, I sponsored her. She's the only one that rode the entire 2,000-mile Pony Express ride when she was 14. Oh, she- wow. That <laughs> is so great. And that's such, such a great bio also because it lets people know that you know, youngsters of, of any age or just about can do this sport, you know, and then you, you run, run to the whole gamut. You've got Julie Sir on the, on the other hand, who's uh, 90 plus years young out there doing limited distance rides still. So it's, it's just one of those sports where 
it's so cool that people of all ages can ride together. It sure is. It's great. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. And we look forward to um, having you on again. Thank you so much, Karen. And I wish you the best of luck in, in your parade experience. And I hope to see you live. Thanks. Well, that was neat, and, you know, we, we are getting excited for the parade and also Tevis coming up, and if you want to find out more about any of the rides in your area or how to get involved with the AERC or just get involved all together uh, with an apprentice and get started riding in endurance, then you can do it at AERC.org. That's AERC.org. Well, Karen, we're wrapping up here today. Uh, you... Uh, are you going to are going to be riding today, or is today a day off? I'm not really sure. When I came home from the ride this weekend, I took everything out of my trailer and washed it, and I used the aluminum brightener and got it all cleaned up inside and out. And so I'm kind so of so now your trailer looks this. good too. Yes, the wow. trailer looks great. My husband was like, well, why are you doing this before, Tevis? You need to do this after. <laughs> Tevis, you it's, it's all gunked up. <laughs> it's going to be so dirty and everything's going to get piled in when we come yeah, but home. it feels so, yes. good. It's like when you go to bed at night, you want clean sheets, right? I know. It feels good yeah. to have everything clean and organized and neat. You know, so I'm kind of doing it in stages. I've got, you know, I'm about halfway through this whole, you know, project. And, you know, it's... I don't know. I mean, it is work, but it's kind of fun to have everything clean and neat and get rid of all the dirt that I've been accumulating. Yeah, you got to do it at least once summer. a year, right? <laughs> at least. I know. And, I, and I'm thinking, gosh, how long has it been since I've done this? It's been a while. It was due. It was time. So I'm in the middle of that kind of a project. And Bo also needs a little bit of a break for a few days since he just did that tough 50. Um, but I do need to get Chief out a little bit. That'll make him happy. I can't believe that 14-year-old girl rode 2,000 miles with you. I know. She did great. She's the only one that rode every mile of that. And then um, I missed a day and a half. And then when I went back again 10 years later, um, I was fortunate enough that I was able to ride every day and every mile. And I was the only one one that did it then. So uh, Kayla and I are the only two that have ridden that whole 2,000 miles, which is pretty wow, cool. that is pretty neat. That's an honor. And, you know, most of the people who ride that Pony uh, Pony Express ride only do a short section. You know, it's kind of a relay, relay right, race. Right, yeah, we, we were <laughs> so. lucky. It was a big special event, you know, because it was AERC sanctioned then. And it was a really cool kind of thing to get to do. You feel like you're riding through history. You get to be on actual historic trail uh, a lot of it especially through nevada is just like it was in 1861 when the real pony express ran wow very cool you've done some amazing things karen you really have and now you can add the rose bowl to it i know wouldn't that be pretty cool to get to do and hopefully one more tevis at least you know i'm looking forward to getting to start hopefully we get to finish as well do you but have any international a- rides if you know if if the uh, world's lined up and money lined up and all that stuff is there well, any international rides that you would like to do wouldn't that be fun no i'd like to be like paul and go over and do the quilty that would i you? think would be a pretty cool thing to get to do yeah what's nice about that too is you don't necessarily have to transport your horse uh because that's a heck of a thing to do to right Australia. yeah that was <laughs> so, me yeah 
Well, very good. Thank you, Karen, so much. Of course, you can find out more about everything and the rides and everything coming up at AERConline.org. And you can find Karen at KarenChatton.com. KarenChatton.com. And we uh, can be found at HorsesInTheMorning.com. If you want to listen to Karen's past episodes, just go to HorsesInTheMorning.com and put in Karen Chatton into the search, and you'll bring up all of her past episodes with us. And also, the simplest, easiest way to listen to the recorded version of all eight shows on the Horse Radio Network is just go to the app, iOS or Android, to search for Horse Radio Network. It's free. It's easy. It's a simple app to use, and it's a It's the way that tens of thousands of people listen to our shows every single week. Karen, good luck at Tevis. If I don't talk to you before, we'll be watching for you. I'll be looking for all the news and the pictures on your Facebook page. Thank you. Oh, let's mention the Tevis website, uh, teviscup.org, and they do a live webcast where you can follow along with the writers. Once you know your writer's number, which they'll post the list, you'll be able to type that in and pull it up, and it'll be able to update you throughout the ride how far into the ride each um, writer has made it so far. So you can track your writers. Oh, you can track the writers there. It's a pretty... It's a pretty cool thing. Okay. Yeah, well, it's not like with the GPS kind of tracking. It's through the numbered through checks the as we as yeah. we go through each checkpoint and the radio people relay it back. But it's a pretty cool thing for people to be able to follow at home if they have a number of writers and friends that are entered. We'll, we'll make sure to do a couple posts on your progress on our, our Facebook page uh, that day. So we'll, we'll, cool. we'll keep an eye on you. Well, thank you. You're thank welcome. you. You're welcome. Well, that's it. Now, I got. we're going to do something special. Instead of playing the normal closing music today, I have, this is in honor of you guys who are going to be in your first parade, Rose Bowl parade. I have Trish Lynn here. We're going to go a little rock and roll to end the show today. This is one of her songs, Stop Till You Drop, and her relationship with the parade. She's been in it many, many, many times with the All-American Cowgirl Chicks. You'll remember them from watching previous parades because they're the ones in red, white, and blue standing up the whole time in the stirrups uh, for the whole five miles for two hours standing up in the stirrups. So uh, you'll you'll remember them and she is the head of that group and she's a lovely lady and she's also a singer. So let's listen to Stop Till You Drop. Jamie will be back tomorrow morning to give us an update on how things are going out there in California. Monty Roberts training the Mustangs. All here on Horses in the Morning. you got, boy? He's got a kettle of a pool and his eyes all red. Got his leather and stuff tight as it don't get. He ain't found nothing that'll throw him yet. It feels a little better when he's out on the edge. Like a Tarantino movie running through his head. He ain't gonna sleep again until he's dead. He's gonna fly just as high as he wants to. Take it to overload Keep the crowd screaming everywhere that I go 
I've come a long, long way with this bad attitude. I wanna hold through my soul of my cowgirl riding boots.